Welcome everyone. Welcome back to the fourth quarter comeback. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor, along with the Brooklyn version of the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. He is Red Zone Rick. Rick, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Pat. I'm excited for the show today. I just want to get this off my chest really quick. First and foremost, before we start the show, I want to wish you a happy belated birthday. Your birthday was yesterday. You are one of my greatest friends I've ever had in my life. I cherish you. I cherish our friendship and I love what we got going. Happy birthday to you. You are my brother and I wish you many, many more. Well, thank you very much, Rick. It means a lot to me. And I couldn't be asking to spend the uh, my the day after my birthday with anyone more than you. So let's do this right. Let's have one of the best shows we have ever done. Before we start off, as always, we ask that you follow us on Facebook on the Fourth Quarter Comeback page. You can also find us on Twitter at PorkUC Show. You can find me at Six Pack Pat with the number six. And you can also find Rick at Rick Red Zone. All right, Rick, we have had quite the eventful few days since we last talked. Not as eventful as Robert Kraft. Patriots owner Robert Kraft, shortly after winning his sixth Super Bowl ring, he's finally found his way to another ring, Rick. That is that of a prostitution ring. Now, human trafficking, uh, sex slavery, all that kind of stuff, not funny. We obviously are not tolerant of that. If you participate in that in any kind of way, you are a giant piece of shit and go fuck yourself. End of story, that is it. We have said that, now let's move on to this giant piece of shit, Robert Kraft. He is facing two counts of solicitation of prostitution from a Florida spa. Alright, there were 200, apparently, names involved in this list of which Robert Kraft is probably the biggest, so... There are videotapes of the sex acts. They do exist, even though he categorically denies it. Typical Patriot fashion. Uh, yeah. So what do you think, Rick, about uh, old saggy balls craft going from uh, from the tuck rule to tug rules, if you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, he got caught out there, man. He's in a fucked up situation. No more fucked up than the ladies and anyone that was being held in that uh no oh yeah 100% um i'm just throwing it out there one last time so it's listen, clear as day you know you, you're paying money to get things done to you by people that don't want to be there you know you're contributing to things like that i don't know i don't know how the nfl is going to take this like i wonder what the suspensions are going to be like what are we looking at what do you as, think well i think this is much more egregious than than spy yeah, oh, definitely Jim Irsay. You see, the DWI thing, I mean, of course, that's very, very dangerous. But as long as no one was hurt in that situation, like, you know, that that's common. What we found in Robert Crafton right now is it's kind of rare. You know what I mean? Like, that's up there with, like, racism in owners and things like that. Like, I could see him potentially losing his ownership, maybe. No, <laughs> that's the jet fan in you jumping out, I think. Hopefully. Hopefully there you go, hopefully. But uh, yeah, no, I, he's not losing ownership or anything like that. Not to that extent, especially with his buddy on the I mean, come on. board. Right there. I mean, come on. It, let's be honest, though. He was a part of a sex trafficking ring. Maybe he had no part in the trafficking, but he had part in the sex trafficking. You know what I'm saying? Pat, really quick, I just want to go back, all right? If if they made Richardson of the Panthers give up his franchise for racist remarks, you don't think that Robert Kraft being involved in a sex trafficking rink, like we just said, he wasn't involved in the, in the trafficking part, but he was there getting sex acts performed on him by women who didn't want to do those things. You know what I mean? It was against their will. Isn't that a little more messed up than what Richardson? Yeah. I think in this case, as far as losing ownership, uh, ignorance is bliss on Kraft's behalf. So him not knowing and him not being involved in that actual side of the business is going to be much better. I mean, 
if if Kraft was involved in that side of the business, it's much more serious than losing his team. Like that's jail time. Like he's going to fucking jail because he is scum. You know what I mean? So that's not really his biggest concern if he's going to lose his team. Like he's going to lose his freedom. He's going to lose basically his life if he was involved in that. So I get what you're saying, and yeah, is is that worse? You know, it's all terrible, but if you're asking me, is Kraft going to lose his ownership over this? No, he's not. Should he? I don't have enough information right now to answer that question. I have to wait and see until all the court hearings are had, everybody goes through all this stuff, Kraft starts finally admitting what he did, what owns up to all this stuff, and then we figure it out going forward. Then if the evidence piles up and he did way too many wrongdoings, yeah, fuck it. Take the team away from him and move on. I don't see it happening, though. We'll see, I guess. But one thing is for sure, Rick, no matter what, if Robert Kraft owns up to all this stuff, and, I mean, we find out that yet again another Patriot was deflating balls illegally, then he's going to be in some trouble. But uh, (laughs) for now, I see no happy ending in sight. All right, it is Combine Week, Rick. We are in the middle of the NFL Combine. Big things are doing. The freak that is DK Metcalf has taken over. Everybody is enamored with him, his blistering speed on top of his ridiculous size. This guy is strong. He is huge. We're going to see some potential special things from him. He is coming off of a neck injury, so people might want to pull back their expectations just a little bit. But I'm looking forward to this wide receiver class in this draft. It is going to be special. Some news around the combine, Rick. We got the Chiefs, the Chiefs defensive linemen, their best pass rushers out there. They have Justin Houston on the trading block officially, and D. Ford has been franchise tagged, but apparently... They're still listening to offers on him as well. So what do you think about the Chiefs shopping around their pass rushers? They should just pick up the phone and call the Jets. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get rid of that problem for them. We'll probably take both of them off their hands if they wanted to. No, honestly, um, I think it's definitely a power play by the Chiefs. You know, they got D Ford and he was a kind of an underachiever until last season, uh, you know, right before his free agency, his contract year. So, I think he kind of came to play because he knew he was going to get paid at the end of the season if he showed out. And the Chiefs kind of want him to prove it. So they'll give him, you know, the franchise tag. Let's see if anyone bites in the trade. I think they'll be willing to get rid of him if the trade is enticing enough because they feel like they haven't seen enough out of D Ford. You know, last season was just one season. Before that, you know, it was kind of mediocre. So I could see them, you know, I could see why they did that with D Ford. As far as Justin Houston, that's definitely him getting up there in age, maybe, and they're a little concerned that he might not be around for too much longer. So let's ship him out, see what we can get from him before he's gone, you know? What do you think? Oh, I absolutely agree with you 100%. Uh, my prediction would have to be Justin Houston is on his way out the door. They're going to take whatever they can get for him right now. The money that he's going to make, the age that he's at, they're ready to move forward, especially with this class of pass rushers. They're definitely able to fill that spot in, not necessarily of the caliber of Justin Houston, but they will fill that in. D Ford, I believe they're just going to keep him on the tag. They're going to play him out for the year. They're going to see how he plays. Can he replicate this past season or is he a bust? If he does, then... uh, Look forward to him getting paid the big bucks next year. But the Chiefs are ready and willing to roll the dice and see what happens with their pass rushers. Speaking of back from the dead, which nobody was, Jason Witten. Thankfully for everyone's ears that listen to Monday Night Football, Jason Witten is coming out of retirement. He's returning to the Dallas Cowboys for the hefty sum of $3.5 million, I believe $5 million total with potential perks and bonuses. Jason Witten returning to the Cowboys. Is this going to help the Cowboys enough on short yardage situations, third and shorts, and red zone chances, Rick, to get them where they need to be, i.e. the Super Bowl, to save Jason Garrett's job? Or is Jason Witten returning just more of Jerry's smokescreen and potentially bringing in a coach of the future? Listen, if... If Jason Witten can give the Dallas Cowboys 70% of what he was, 
Dallas is going to reap the benefits 100%, all right? You bring him, if you bring back Cooper, you got Jason Witten, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, that offense is going to be scary. Even if Jason Witten doesn't perform, you know, like I said, a hunt to the to the best of his abilities, his name is still going to ring a bell when he gets on the field. You understand what I'm saying? He's still going to draw attention, which is in turn going to open things up more for Amari Cooper and for Ezekiel Elliott, which, you know, Dallas can only reap the benefits from that. You understand what I'm saying? Let's see what they do with Lawrence. Let's see what they do on defense. And then I can really give you a, a good judgment of how big this Witten signing is. Because if they're going to bring back Lawrence and, you know, maybe dedicate some draft picks to defense, Dallas is going to be scary next year. We could be looking at a Super Bowl contender. I feel like Dallas is definitely going to be in the market for one of the receivers that are out there because they are going to lose a lot of their offensive playmakers or lack of playmakers they're they're going to be spending a lot of money going forward in the offseason on some big positions you have quarterback running back wide receiver pass rusher cornerback I mean these are the foundational pieces basically they already locked up Tyron Smith at left tackle but other than that they have to pay a lot of top caliber players so they're gonna have to invest a lot of money getting a player like Witten, back into the compound. I mean, if for nothing else, he seems like he'll be a good on-field coach. That seems to be what a lot of people are thinking. A lot of the players have a lot of reverence for him. They respect him a lot. So I look forward to he's seeing only, what he can do. He's only costing you $3.5 million for one year. Think about it in terms of you know money. There he's it only is. Cost- I mean, yeah, yeah, that's not bad, but on a team that is, is he, generally is he, strapped for cash a lot of the time. Is he is he still top ten in your mind? No. Tight end? No. No? No. Top fifteen? If he's anywhere in your top fifteen, then he's worth three and a half million. In my mind. Fair enough. If he gets a couple of big first downs and maybe a couple of big touchdowns, then he was yeah. worth it for Dallas in the end. If he gives no me matter. five to seven touchdowns, are you kidding me? That's a steal for three and a half million. Rick, you got uh, the Jets. Robbie Anderson, he is a, a second-round tender. What do you think about that? I think it was a great move by the Jets. You know, Robbie being such a young, explosive player, you know, I think that uh, he's drawing some interest here and there. I don't think he's been drawing second-round interest. But he's been drawing a lot of interest, I think. And I think that the Jets kind of wanted to set a bar. Like, look, we'll listen to offers if you offer this. We developed him from an unrestricted free agent to, you know, a a viable starter. You understand what I'm saying? So I think it was a great move by the Jets. We're, We're protecting an asset at the same time. We're ensuring ourselves that if we do lose him, we're going to gain an asset back. You know, so I think it was a great move by the Jets. I think that we're looking really good to start off the offseason. Let's just see where it starts, uh, where we go March 13th. when Do you think start. he'll be moved for a second rounder? I don't think so. I don't think anyone's going to be willing to ante up a second rounder. If yeah, nobody's would. giving you a second rounder for him. No. This no. is this is them I, saying, we don't care. We like you, Robbie, but we don't love you. Uh, we really want that second round pick that we lost because it's more important to us than you, to be honest, because we need it for a lot of other scenarios that we're playing out. So they're hoping they can get a second for him. They will not get a second for him because there is just too much talent coming out of this draft at the wide receiver position. I would take at least 10 receivers before I would even look at Robbie Anderson. And that's not even a shot at Robbie Anderson. He's a solid player. I do like him, but... There's just way too many talented guys coming out of college this year. So good move by them. It shows they're open for business and that maybe they'll trade him down the line for something a little bit lower. But, yeah, they're not moving him for a second-round pick. All right, Rick, uh, big doings at the Combine. Kyler Murray, he measured up better than anybody expected. Apparently he's not a midget. He's not slow. He's got decent-sized hands. So he's going to be okay. Apparently, he is an electric football player still. 
So looks like everybody seems to think that he is going to be going number one overall, and a lot of people don't think that's going to be because of a trade. They think Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime, they are actually going to follow through on it, and they are going to scoop up Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray goes to Arizona. Where is Chosen Rosen going to go? Apparently not too chosen because he's going to have his second team in two years. Where is Rosen going to go and for what? He's going to New England. Going to New England, really? Yeah, of course. They are, you know, they're going to be looking for somebody soon to replace Tom Brady. So you think they're giving up that first rounder? I don't think they're giving up a first rounder. I disagree. I think if they want Rosen, I think they got to give that one up because I think Washington will gladly give up their second. No questions asked. I see Washington moving in on this one. I think uh, that's where he's going to go. It's going to be a Redskin. I see that. I could see that. I could definitely see that. I'm just thinking New England. It makes a lot of sense to me. You know, they they want to bring somebody up behind Tom Brady. They traded off Jimmy Garoppolo. If Arizona is going to be giving up on Josh Rosen after one season, uh, I could see him going to Bill and Bill working some magic with him. You know. This could be one of those things where Bill's trying to save his legacy after Tom is gone and give everyone. He the, sees a free pass, right? You know, it's like, oh yeah. shit, you know, I didn't expect to have this to rebuild with so immediately. All right, I got to consider that one. What is Rosen's ceiling right now? You know what I mean? Is he a Super Bowl MVP? Is he an All Pro quarterback? Is he a Pro Bowl quarterback? Is he just a bust? What What's his ceiling in your mind? His ceiling in my mind right now would be, if I had to make a comparison, probably Kirk Cousins. I could see him being a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. Well, if he goes to Washington, that very much follows in line with that kind of thinking. (laughs) Um, So you're saying a pro bowler, basically. I think he can be a good quarterback in this league. I think that he a can... A pro bowler with potential for a Super Bowl. But yeah, he's not necessarily right. the greatest guy leading the team to the Super Bowl. Gotcha. I think right. he's got the tools to be a decent quarterback in this league. All right. Only time will tell. But until the card gets turned in in April and we see who gets drafted, we will not know. So until then, it's all just conjecture. But we'll have fun talking about it. And Rick, speaking of something that we're going to have fun talking about, it is here. You promised it last week. We are at the year in review. It was the year that just passed. The beautiful, glorious football that had happened. It was a lot of excitement, a lot of a lot of touchdowns scored, a lot of offense played, but still some solid defenses out there, especially down the stretch. So, Rick... The year in review, what story stuck out to you the most? Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP. All right. Has to be, Pat. Come on. Lay it on me. Tell me about it. Come on, Pat. For this guy to come out one year removed from his rookie season that he didn't play in, he played one game. You know, this is basically his his rookie year, you know? All he did last year was get to know the NFL, if you will, you know, just travel around, learn how to become a pro, sitting down, you know, learn the offense behind uh, Alex Smith. So I think that that was the biggest story of this year. Patrick Mahomes coming out, throwing for 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, every bit as explosive as people thought he was going to be when he was drafted, you know, when people were calling for him to start games while Alex Smith was there. Patrick Mahomes, biggest story of the year in my mind. Uh, He's certainly up there. He's one of them. I absolutely agree with you. And it wasn't just Mahomes. It was definitely the whole Chiefs organization. Andy Reid having a resurgent year as a coach, and he brought Mahomes on very well. Uh, Them dealing with the Kareem Hunt situation. I mean, they were on top of the game. They were easily probably the best team going going through the league at that point. So... Having to drop Kareem Hunt after facing all those charges, those videos coming out and having issues with domestic violence and that kind of thing. They finished 12-4. and They lost in the AFC title game. But God knows what would have happened if they had a running back like Kareem Hunt still on the team. But I agree with you. 
let's not dwell on the sour milk. Let's focus on what Pat Mahomes, let's focus on the good. And he was amazing. He was just burning it down the whole year. Pat Mahomes had one of the best passing seasons I've ever seen. Now let's get down to it. Pat Mahomes, you think he's super stud going forward. I think he's good quarterback, really good quarterback going forward. Next year, does Patrick Mahomes over-under? Let's play over-under. How about that? Over-under, 40 touchdowns. Under. Under, I agree. All right, Mahomes, over-under, 4,000 yards passing. Over. Over. All right. Yeah, I'll go over that, too. 4,000, definitely. How about five? Under. For sure. I want to say over. You want to say over? Yeah, I could see what you're saying, that they're, they're yardage monsters. They just, especially with guys like Hill, Kelsey, guys like that, hidden running backs out of the backfield, <laughs> they're just going to munch up a bunch of yards. Yeah. But I see him just going over 4,000, maybe like 4,200, somewhere in that range. I see him finishing with around 35 touchdowns, maybe, at best. Yeah, 35, 38 touchdowns. You know, that's the range that I expect him to be in, and it's going to vary going forward. I think it's going to be around that. might be a little higher, might be a little lower, but this year was an aberration. It's not going to happen again the way it did, nor should it. And that shouldn't. he shouldn't be held to that standard, but... It was a great year for him. Pat Mahomes, MVP, he lit up the league. He brought us a lot of excitement, and we loved watching every second of it. Not me. I'm a Raider fan. Fuck him and the Chiefs, but it was entertaining to watch. I think he's the new Aaron Rodgers. All right, then. Uh, Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy was fired unceremoniously with four games left. How about that? He had a 4-7-1 record. Mike McCarthy getting fired by the Packers. Do you see the Packers rebounding this year under Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers getting back on the same page? Will the Packers make the playoffs next year after this very terrible, unceremonious, horrible losing season? I don't think so, Pat. I think that the NFC North is going to be extremely tough next year. Minnesota, Chicago, even Detroit. Um... I think the Packers have a lot to, you know, they got a lot. They got to put a lot of people on the field for them to get better, Pat. That defense needs a lot of help. That offense needs a lot of help. Devontae Parker needs help on the other side. They need an, They need another running back. They need someone to rush the passer. I think Clay's past his days. Uh, they need cover corners. You know, besides Alexander, I think I think they don't have anyone else. It's just looking bleak for them right now. And I like the Bears. I like Minnesota. I like them to, you know, be powerhouses in that division next year. And I don't see the Packers fitting in. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on that part. As you know, I've said, and I'm I'm consistently standing on this point, the Bears will not make the playoffs next year. And that's not just wishful thinking, knowing that the Raiders are going to get their draft pick. I do not think that the Bears will make the playoffs next year. Would you say Aaron Rodgers was 50-50, 100%, Was he the main reason Mike McCarthy was fired? I think he was the main reason 100%. I and think do, you, was, do you think he's going to be able to move past that and get along with Matt LaFleur? Um, I think that they got Matt LaFleur because they probably felt like LaFleur would, would kind of Give in to Rodgers, if you will, you know? So you think he's going to acquiesce and just give in and let Rodgers basically run whatever he wants to run? I think so. I think so. All right. We will have to wait and see. Speaking of waiting and seeing, we have to wait and see next year what the draft picks are going to be for the Raiders. We already know what they're getting this year, and we know why they got them. This year, John Gruden returned to the Silver and Black. He went to the black hole, he loves every minute of it, but just before the season started, he decided to trade stud pass rusher Khalil Mack. They got into the season and they decided, hey, fuck it, we're going to move on from Amari Cooper as well. Traded Amari Cooper for a first rounder to Dallas Cowboys, Dallas playoffs, traded Khalil Mack to the Bears, Bears playoffs, released a couple of players like Bruce Irvin, Obi Melifonwu. 
All these guys went to very prosperous team situations. Uh, yeah, they got rid of Reggie McKenzie. Four and twelve. Rick, are the Raiders on the rebound more so now? And what do you think? Did they? Let's ask this more so. Did they make the right moves for their franchise to start the big rebuild that Gruden believes he needs to have to get back to success? Yeah, if you felt like you needed a rebuild, then yeah, you made the right moves because you got yourself some draft. Do you feel they needed a rebuild? I don't. Personally, I don't. I I feel like they just needed a couple more pieces. I mean, this is more you than me, but I thought the Raiders just needed a couple more pieces to become a powerhouse. That was just my opinion. Problem was this. They already put a ridiculous amount of money into certain players in certain positions. They paid their offensive linemen Three of their offense, not even their whole offensive. They played. They paid their guards and their center a pretty hefty sum. Then they re-signed Carr for a good $25 million. I mean, there was just no possible way that they were going to be able to add Khalil Mack's money on top of that. You can't have... It was just a bad situation. Could they have tried to move on? Uh, potentially. But here's the thing. Mac didn't help that situation out. He wasn't reporting. He got bad advice from his agent. He just, he wasn't ready to go. He was thinking about the dollars, nothing else. He didn't want to show up to Oakland. He didn't want to answer to Gruden. He felt disrespected for some reason. And in the process, he disrespected the team and the fans. He had a contract to play. It's not like he was a free agent or anything like that. He had a contract. So for him to just not show up to training camp the whole way through and not report for any reason whatsoever, that was just not the greatest move. I mean, in the end, he ended up making his money and he got on a very successful team this year. But going forward, it's not always going to work out like that. I think Reggie McKenzie made a huge mistake. I like Gabe Jackson, uh, Rodney Hudson, Osemele, all these guys. They needed to make money but there was just too much money being paid. If you look, that's five players. If they would have paid Mac, they would have had like at least a third, if not more, of their entire salary cap space in five players. That's just not a recipe for success. So Gruden looked at it that way. He saw that Mac didn't really want to be there all that badly, and he did what he had to do. And let's be honest, it was a great trade for them to get two first-round picks, a third-rounder. The only reason people laugh at it is because they had to give up a second to kind of get the third and the first the next year. They'll end up working that out some way. If they really want a second next year, they're going to end up getting it back somehow. So I'm not too worried about that. I like it. I think Gruden did exactly what he needed to do. He wants to build his team in his image because that's how they're going to succeed there. So I'm on board for it. I support it. Things could have worked out a lot smoother, and they're going to happen in a more timely fashion for sure. Murray Cooper, he can fuck off. I'm not a fan of his anymore. He just simply, you can tell by his demeanor in Dallas, he never wanted to be in Oakland, at least not for the past year or two. And it's not like Derek Carr didn't give him every opportunity. He invited him to his house. He threw with him all off season. He treated him like family. And this is what happens. So. Going forward, Amari Cooper, he was worth the first-round pick. They're going to be able to flip that into a sensational player, I believe, in the draft if they hit the pick just right, and I like it. I didn't like this season's results, obviously. 4-12, never a good thing. I'm ready, to, I'm ready for the silver and black to get back to prominence, but I put up with it this long. What's another year or two to deal with it to get back to the promised land? Well, Rick, something neither of us want to talk about that much. The Patriots, they won another Super Bowl, that record-tying six this year. That it will be the final footnote on this season, the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. Where do you think that falls, and do you think this puts the Patriots just on the top of the all-time list of best dynasties slash franchises? No, I don't, because the Patriots, in my mind, only get credit for three Super Bowls. The first three Super Bowls will always be tainted in my mind. Spygate, that will never go away. That's just my opinion, though. In the last three, you can say some great things. You play football on the field, you win it on the field, so it is what it is. They won those games, but 
I the mean, Rams shit the bed. The it, Rams shit the bed. The Rams shit the bed. Atlanta, I mean, they shit the bed. They easily should have fucking won that one. Uh, and the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks gave that one away too. So they're not really burning it down, you know, just destroying these teams. They're winning in some pretty fluky fashions, but a win is a win. I would take one in a, in a fluky fashion. I can't lie. So I would too. <laughs> it is what it is, you know. Enjoy it, Patriot fans. You know, you you don't know what you have. The older Patriot fans out there, I respect you all. Uh, you yeah, get it. You get it. Around, you know, a lot of you know. younger ones are the ones that take it for granted. You have a harsh, harsh reality facing you very soon, and I can't wait to enjoy every single second of your torment. Speaking of torment, the Steelers. Rick, they blew up. What the hell happened? Le'Veon Bell, he held out all the way through the season. That is a rarity. You do not see someone actually hold out and rest on their laurels and go all the way through and hold out for the whole season. He is now going to become a free agent and command a lot of money in this offseason class. Both of our teams looking at him very intently. Antonio Brown, a lot of troubles there. He's on the way out the door as well. Big Ben, he's having his own issues. Juju Smith-Schuster, a bright spot. He is a stud. The kid, the the Steelers, they always find a way to find a hell of a receiver to replace the one that's going out the door. It's a revolving door of talent at the receiver position in Pittsburgh. So they were 9-6-1. They missed the playoffs, though, Rick. What do we think for this past season of the Steelers? Are they going to be able to rebound from this blow up immediately? I, I don't think so, man. I think they're gonna they're gonna be without a quarterback for a while. And I think that that's what's gonna hinder them. I think that they're gonna replace uh they're gonna replace A B already with Juju, so he's there. I think they'll get another receiver because the Steelers are known to draft well when it comes to wide receivers, you know, when you think about Emmanuel Sanders and, you know, uh, Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers. A lot of people have mocked Antonio Brown's cousin going to the Steelers. Do you see that as just an odd choice? And would that be a recipe for disaster? I mean, I know he's his own man, but after going through all this with Antonio Brown, do you think picking his cousin to be the guy to replace him is the right move? If he's anything like Antonio, then I would stay away from him. Person, Personality-wise, if he's anything like Antonio, I would stay away from him. I think that uh, they're just too close, you know? They're too close. It's too close of a tie to bring him in. Antonio's probably already flooded his brain with all this bad stuff about what's going on in Pittsburgh, you know? so All this bad want- stuff going on in Pittsburgh, I blame Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin is... Trying to break out the old mental pie chart. I'm going to go big gold chunk of the pie. I'm going to say 75% Mike Tomlin. He just doesn't have that team disciplined well enough. He doesn't have them in the ranks. I just I don't like what Mike Tomlin does there. And I think you see a few years now has built up. And we saw what happened the team just blew up they imploded on each other and there's just the morale is so hurt in this it just with bell alone with the bell holdout the team was already very divisive and they just didn't have each other's backs they were infighting they were arguing on social media you could see a lot of people having a lot of problems with the coaching the front office then you get guys like roethlisberger calling everybody and their mother out for for him stubbing his toe on the way out of the tunnel, you know what I mean? So Roethlisberger, he's got a big bunch of blame there, and I just I don't like what's going on in Pittsburgh. I feel like they're definitely regressing. They're a proud franchise, but I just don't see them being all that great. And Cleveland's on the way up, so they're going to have to fight hard to stay where they want to stay if they want to be in the first or second place in the AFC North. Who do you blame the most for this season of woe for Pittsburgh? Mike Tomlin, I think he took too long to get in front of this situation at the beginning of the season, you know, when Le'Veon was holding out and, you know, Antonio was making noise about Le'Veon. And 
I think he took too long to get in front of it. And like you said, I think he lost uh, discipline. You know, I think he, I thought he gained control of it midseason. I think if you remember uh, one of our midseason shows, you know, I spoke about how he got in front of this and, you know, he got the team to start playing behind him again and they were winning. And then I don't know what happened and it all just fell apart all over again. So Steelers got some work to do next season. What would you say, what would have to happen? Now, we know, what is it? The Steelers have had, what, three head coaches in their entire history? That's not some uh, concept I'm familiar with. What would it take for Mike Tomlin to be fired after this coming season? Or could anything happen? After this coming season? Yes. Missing the playoffs again. So if they miss the playoffs again, you feel like Tomlin gets fired? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, even, I feel like. But even feel, if they execute everything perfectly, even if it's everybody's like kumbaya, it's listen, just the on-field results. If they miss the playoffs, and see you later. I feel like if they stumble mid-season, he could be gone. Wow, I don't. I disagree with you on that. I don't see the Steelers ever, ever listen, outside of like health issues, not getting rid of someone mid-season. No way. I don't think that's realistic. I think there is potential Listen, if man, they the miss Giants, the playoffs. The Giants and, were yeah. known not to fire coaches midseason either until they got rid of Ben McAdoo. Nah, we're talking about two different... Let's not disrespect Tomlin that much. Rick, we're talking the fourth quarter comeback. You're in review show, and we'd like you to follow the fourth quarter comeback on Twitter. You can follow us at 4QC Show. You can also find me at 6 Pack Pat with the number 6, and you can find Rick at Rick Red Zone. You can also follow us on our Facebook page, for the fourth quarter comeback. Rick, this was the year of the roughing the passer rules. They started out a little tough. Then they reeled back a little bit after things were getting a little strict. Clay Matthews would like to have a conversation. And, uh, yeah, they pulled back a little bit. Then they reinforced them. What did you think about this year with the new catch rules, the new roughing the passer rules, all the new guidelines the NFL laid out there? Do you think it affected the game for the better for the worse, what? I think it's affecting the game for the worse. The game is not what it used to be. Um, I think defense is getting pushed to irrelevancy, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, I don't like the chatter about changing the new overtime rules. I think the league's headed in a bad direction. I mean, I know we're trying to, you know, we're trying to protect these players out there, and I can appreciate that. But some of these calls are really, uh really stupid and i'm sure you can agree with me on that well i disagree with you on that i dis- <laughs> i disagree with you on the overtime rule as you know uh but we can discuss that more in depth in a future episode because i feel like that is well deserving of a full conversation i am in a- agreement with you as far as killing the defenses and really relegating it to just a second class citizen in the whole league It seems offense is king. Everybody loves it. Chicks dig the long ball. That's the way it's always going to be. So, so long as people aren't getting screwed in game, you know what I mean? That's where I draw the line. There were quite a few games that I saw calls that were laughable. They'd be laughable if it wasn't such a fucking criminal act. Some of these flags that were being thrown, they need to tighten that up. They need to train these refs better. They need to have them full-time just training, 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 working as much as they humanly can. They need to expand, if they have to, the crews, whatever the hell they have to do to make sure they're getting the right calls. Because I've seen some quarterbacks get hugged, laid down, put a pillow under their head, and, I mean, they're calling fucking flags. They're calling penalties and throwing flags. So, I don't like it. I love good defensive football. I want to see it back. I don't need to see the AAF type of hits where people are getting murdered. I don't need those old VHS tapes, you know, where football follies and greatest hits where people's helmets are flying 50 yards down the field because Lawrence Taylor just murdered somebody with a, with a spear. To me, the game just needs to stay as pure as it possibly can, and that means keeping the refs out of it as much as humanly possible so long as the rules aren't being broken or the players aren't being broken. So let's just have good football. That's all I ask. All right, Rick, I am going to give you a couple of scenarios, and you are going to tell me which was your most memorable 
moment of the year. Our first moment is actually a game. It was. Can you guess which game I'm going to say, Rick? Rams Chiefs. Rams Chiefs, of course. Rams beat the Kansas City Chiefs 54-51, the highest scoring Monday Night Football game ever. There was 1,001 yards offensively, seven turnovers. It had defense, it had offense, it had drama, it had everything you could possibly want. So, Rick, was that the best game you ever saw? Mm, it was the best offensive game I've ever saw, That's but it, was, it wasn't the best game ever. That is fair. I accept your answer there. It was one of the best games ever. You're absolutely right. One of, but not necessarily the best. Hell of a game. Very memorable. And it's unfortunate that wasn't the Super Bowl instead of the pile of steaming shit that we got. All right, Rick. Second memorable moment. We have the Buffalo Bills. Vontae Davis retires at halftime. They were losing 28-6 to the L.A. Chargers, where Vontae Davis decided at halftime not to come out, but instead go home, throw up the deuces, and say on social media, I'm sorry, I retire. So, what did you think about Vontae retiring at halftime? Total pussy move. Total pussy move. Do you think there's any chance he could ever play football ever again? No. No, right? Yeah, nobody's ever going to want to line up next to him. And our third, and my personal favorite, I mean, the game was really good, but Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas has had some turmoil going forward, going from last season. He wanted a contract. The Seahawks didn't want to re-up. They didn't want to give him the money he was looking for. So he was playing a lame duck deal. Uh, Everybody knows his interests lie elsewhere. He wanted to be moved. He wanted to be traded. They did not want to move him. Dallas, who was a premier destination for him he even told him that jason garrett agreed they didn't go and get him so earl thomas played and unfortunately he broke his leg early on in the season as he was being carted off he looked over to that seahawks sideline and what did he do he threw up the bird he gave what we believe was pete carroll and the seahawks front office staff the big middle finger tell him to go fuck themselves earl thomas middle finger after he broke his leg what did you think? I thought that was great. Classic. I will never, ever forget that. Earl fought for himself all season. He still came and played, gave his heart out, and he got hurt just like he thought he would. This is why he fought for his contract. This is what people need to understand. Earl fought for this exact thing not to happen, and it happened to him. So you know what? Right now, sitting in my chair, I'm flipping the Seattle Seahawks the bird, too. There you go, Seattle. This one's for you. There you go. The old Stone Cold salute. Give them two and drink back a beer. So, Rick, there we are. We have the Rams beating Kansas City in the highest-scoring Monday Night Football game of all time. We have Bills, Vontae Davis, retiring at halftime of a bad loss. And Earl Thomas giving the old middle finger to his coaching staff after breaking his leg. Rick, what is your most memorable moment? of the past football season? I think it would have to be Vontae Davis. That oh, was such the dark a, horse, Vontae. Yeah, I think that was such a big story, man. You're walking out on your team. It was one of those situations where, you know, as a father, you grabbed your son and pointed, you don't want to be like this guy, son. All right. I can respect that. As a father, I, I can appreciate the the teaching lesson that you you know that's what football is all about. Spring family together, father and sons together, and giving us life lessons and a good amount of entertainment. And apparently, that's exactly what Vontae Davis did. Don't do that, son. Don't be that. Don't be that guy. Follow through. Give your word. Be a good teammate. I can respect that. I'm going Earl Thomas. Give him the middle finger. Because that was just hilarious. And at the same time, tragic. So, funny, tragic, very Shakespearean. That's And that's what I enjoy. All right, Rick, we are here. Our last top five power rankings of this season. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. 
Rick, it's a little bit different. Obviously, you're not power ranking teams. That'd be a little too easy. We are ranking our breakout players of the 2018 season. Rick, I will start with my honorable mention. I'm going to give you my honorable mention. I liked Kenny Galladay. I feel like Kenny Galladay really broke out. I think he's going to be a stud receiver for Detroit going forward. I really like him, and I think he's going to set himself up well going forward. I also think Baker Mayfield, he has the potential to be the big franchise quarterback that turns it around, the guy they were hoping Johnny Manziel was going to be, the guy they were hoping Brandon Whedon was going to be. You know, If Baker Mayfield can finally turn things around in Cleveland, he will be, he will be embraced like no other since probably LeBron James. So Cleveland, he could be your favorite son going forward. My number five, good old CMC. Christian McCaffrey, I believe, is going to be top five back going forward in this league. So, 1,965 total yards, 13 touchdowns. I like Christian McCaffrey. He is my number five breakout star of the year. Rick, how about you? Um, my number five guy is going to be James Conner. I think that he came in and tore it up. Olivier wasn't there. James Conner, good one, good one. What about your number four? My number four is going to be Nick Chubb. Oh. Sorry, I know I know it's a double running back. Shocker thing. that uh, old Rick goes with the running back category here. Huh? Uh, Nick Chubb came in, and uh, I think he definitely was one of the main reasons that Baker looked so good on the field this year. You know, handing the ball off to Chubb, him gaining those crucial yards, tossing it to him out of the backfield when the play was going to break down. I think those are the kind of things that made Baker feel comfortable and allowed him to make the plays that he needed to make later on in the season. All right. Well, if you're allowed to go with uh, a running back for number four, then I'm going to go tight end number four. Good old George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I like him. 1,400 yards, five touchdowns. This kid is the future of the position. I like him a lot, especially after Garoppolo went down. Who expected anything out of that team going forward? Look at the quarterbacks that were throwing him the ball. Really? Yeah. Yet this kid showed out like a fucking stud. Kittle, I like him a lot going forward. He is the guy, and he is my number four breakout player of this season. Number three is going to be Indianapolis Colts, Darius Leonard. I love him. He's a hell of a fucking linebacker. I like it. 168 total tackles, seven sacks, two interceptions. There's just nothing that he can't do. He's just such a damn talented guy. I like him a lot, and he's a big breakout player for me, and he's going to help. He is to that defense in Indianapolis what Andrew Luck is to that offense, and he's going to be a big reason why they're going to be a perennial playoff team going forward. Rick, what about you at number three? My number three guy is going to be George Kittle. Has to be George Kittle. He came out. He tore it up last year. Number one tight end statistically. Um, I think he came out and he showed the NFL that he's here to stay. He's going to be a force. And my number two guy is Darius Leonard. Coming out of nowhere, becoming the defensive rookie of the year, leading the league in tackles. This guy's amazing, and I expect nothing but greatness from him going forward. So he's my number two. All right, Rick. Well, now I've heard your list, and you only have one spot left. I'm very confused. Guys on your list, very worth it. I mean, your last two were my last two, basically. But how you don't have my last two on your list, I do not understand. But I do understand because you're a Jet fan, and you hate the Giants and all that. So... My number two is going to be Saquon Barkley, rookie Fuck of the Sa- year on offense, 2,000 all-purpose okay. yards, 15 touchdowns. Fuck. Saquon Barkley is a breakout star. He is a stud. He's a hell of a rookie. It's only getting started for him. He had Eli Manning. It just totally regressed and repressed Eli Manning dealing with him, and he was still able to make things happen on a terrible Giants team. I love Saquon. He is going to be possibly the number one running back going forward for quite a few years to come. So I like Barkley, and I don't get I do get it, but I don't get how you don't have him on your list. Fuck Saquon. 
All right. Well, with Fuck Saquon, I think that's very evident who our number one is going to be on both of our lists. Our number one is Pat Mahomes. Patty. Yeah, Pat Mahomes. I mean, you can't start like this, win MVP, put up stats like that that are all-time great, and not be the top breakout star. Going forward, we already said what we think he's going to produce. He's going to be in that 35 touchdown, 4,000, 4,500 yard category. He's going to be in that realm. We're going to have to wait and see how he's able to elevate the Chiefs and his own game going forward, especially if they're shipping out these pass rushers that's potentially on the table right now. We're going to have to wait and see. But if there's a total lack of defense and they're completely all in, on the offense in Chiefs Kingdom, well, we're going to have to wait and see how it works out when the whole burden of the whole team and that whole heavy load is on his shoulders. Can he answer the call? And can he get the Chiefs back to Super Bowl dominance and victory? I'm not so sure about that, but that's why we play the game. So, Pat Mahomes, you're my number one breakout player of the year. You're obviously Rick's as well. Rick, what do you have to say about him? Pat Mahomes, I think he's going to be the greatest player since sliced bread. Give him a couple seasons and we'll be talking about him and no one will ever remember Aaron Rodgers. All right. And with that, that was our year in review show. And that was the fourth quarter comeback. We thank you very much for coming back and joining us. We love talking football and we love you listening. So please give us a follow on Facebook at the fourth quarter comeback page. Give us a follow on Twitter at Fork UC Show. You can find me at Six Pack Pat with the number six, and you can find Rick at Rick Red Zone. Next week, you will hear us talking drafts, draft needs. We are going to be talking AFC East and NFC East. Their big draft needs, draft strategies for those teams going forward, as well as any news, notes, and anything exciting that happens over the week in football. But until then, everybody, we hope that you enjoyed the show, you continue listening, and everybody, enjoy the football.